Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Teachers are only good when they stay up all night. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. You and my child are just a bad personality match with Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. That kept my kids going all through the year. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Clearly, I have a budding linguist on my hands. Hey, everybody. Welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And today we are talking about teachers are awesome. And here's why. That's right. It's time. It is time for us to lay a wreath on the forehead. I was going to say at the feet of, on the forehead of, around the shoulder. <laughs> I believe it's a crown on the forehead, a laurel on the forehead. <laughs> Some laurels. We're not sure how exactly. I don't think any teacher I know wants a laurel on their forehead at this juncture. That's the last thing they need. No. Or a mug that says best teacher. They probably don't need any more of those. No more mugs and no more scented candles, probably. Right. Right, right. But they do need a thank you. Our mailbag for this week is really the reason why we're doing this episode. You ready for it? Yes, I'm ready. Mailbag. So an anonymous, because now in our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash group slash what fresh hellcast, Facebook has new anonymity stuff where you can post anonymously if you want to, which I guess is good. So this teacher, in this case, it was good. This teacher said, please allow me to provide a peek behind the teacher curtain. This was in response to our goofing on ready confetti for like three weeks. Correct. What teacher would send home confetti that your kid is supposed to sprinkle in her bed the night before school? So the teacher's like, let me explain. If you dare to try and save your families from a bed full of confetti the night before school and save your remaining sanity and $40, the principal will then call you to their office the next day to tell you they just got off the phone with that one mom who was very upset that her special snowflake cried herself to sleep because her friend had the magical life-altering opportunity to fill her house with glitter confetti and you deprive snowflake of the same incredible experience. Point taken. Point taken. I mean, this is the problem with teachers and parents. There's kind of no winning, right? Like, I don't want my kid to have nine hours of homework a night. And then six other moms are calling and saying, my child is not being challenged enough by your curriculum. And keeping my sister-in-law runs a school and keeping the parents all happy at the same time, it's a losing game, Amy. It's not easy. 
Yeah, yeah. And that you're supposed to spend your time outside of school, your own money, your every effort to be going on Pinterest. It's an unreasonable expectation. And yet some teachers do it and good for them. And some teachers have other strengths. And we are thankful for those as well. And it is like I lead a scout troop, which is nothing like being a teacher, but I just was running an activity about making first aid kits for my scout troop. And it really comes down to like, do I want to go out and purchase like a hundred dollars worth of band-aids and moleskin and adhesive gauze? Or do I want to put that back on the parents to have to do and they're going to be annoyed? It's really. And then one kid won't have it. Right. Right. Yeah. And then and it is like it, you just see how you constantly get in the position of no win, basically. Yep. Darned if you do and darned if you don't. Correct. So we thought we would take an episode out here and just ask our listeners, which we did on our Facebook group, to thank their teachers, shout out their teachers, and say what's great about teachers, their kids' teachers. I mean, I guess it could be your own teachers. I have some stories about my own teachers I'd like to share today, but yeah. Here's the first thing I wanted to shout out, and most of this is non-ready confetti related, right? This isn't about who decorates their classroom the coolest, although if you do that, good for you. The first thing I want to shout out is the sort of teacher who knows what needs to happen next for the kid, even when parents don't. Give me an example. Okay. So Halston wrote in to say that her kid was in second grade, started saying things like he felt invisible around his friends. He felt like he wasn't there. She didn't know what to do. He was saying this for a couple of weeks. She meets with the teacher. The mom falls apart in the meeting. The teacher makes her feel completely seen and validated. Halston says she reassured me, made a plan to group the kid with some of his friends, and then followed up a couple of weeks later to make sure that the mom felt good about where things had come. She says the kindness and competence this teacher displayed were a gift I will remember and cherish forever. It's also a story about how teachers wear so many different hats, right? Like you're teaching math, but you're also figuring out the social dynamics in your class. You're making sure kids are fitting in. They're not feeling bullied. You know, they're behaving and that their special needs are being met. There's so much going on in a classroom. And second grade, I mean, so I have my own story about second grade. One of my kids' second grade teachers had to come to me and say, this kid was doing phonetic spelling, which is encouraged these days in school. Basically, that if your kid wants to write a story about a cat and she spells it K-A-T, that shouldn't stop a kid from writing a story about a cat. We want them to start trying and using. But around second grade, they should remember the words that they've learned. So this kid, I kind of knew, but not really. And it took the second grade teacher to take what was sort of a risk to sit down with me and say, like, I'm seeing a deficit here. Your kid isn't getting it. And this is what I think we need to do, which was immediately a moment where this teacher knew more than me, but it was also very risky, right? To go to this parent and say, like, I think I'm seeing something here. P.S. The teacher was right. And, and so the teacher had to bring both the problem and the potential solution. And she did. And I will be so grateful for that teacher having that difficult conversation, which I'm sure doesn't always go so well. Oh, I'm sure it often doesn't go so well. And I think that right, it's like we talk about marriage, right? Like our marriage advice is for people who have a spouse who is interested in treating them well and is basically a good partner, right? From there, you can kind of start implementing change. Mm -hmm. And I think with teachers, often you have to make that decision as well. Like, is this a teacher who understands my child, has their best interests at heart, and we basically see eye to eye? And from that place, can I 
operate from my place of maximum generosity and say, I am going to listen to feedback about my kid. I have been in both positions, I would say. I have had conferences where I thought, I think you and my child are just a bad personality match. I don't think I'm ever going to have a child who has like the four perfectly sharpened pencils and always remembers to put their date on the page. And those things are super important to you. They're not as important to me. We will work on it. But I think I'm going to chalk this one up a little bit to bad match of student and teacher. And then I've had other situations. I have had a teacher come to me with an issue and I thought, oh, that is new information for me, and I respect that information. I think it's probably best to always try to come from the point of view of, let me listen to this and see if there's something there. But I've had both experiences. Yeah. So I put that in front of people as somebody who's much further down the path with older kids. If a teacher comes to you with a potential area of concern about your kid, Try to come at it, as you say, with your place of highest generosity, because they probably thought long and hard before setting up this time to talk to you. And maybe there's nothing to see there. And maybe there is. And it's been a lesson for my husband and I. We have a kid with an IEP and people who go to IEP meetings know it's a lot coming at you about your kid. And my husband and I now always go into the IEP meetings and we stop before we walk in and we say, listen first. Mm. Because we are very tempted to say, oh, but you don't see that like at home, just listen. Mm -hmm. You can always use it as a data point and say, yeah, it doesn't really fit on my graph. But allowing yourself the space to start by listening, challenging, but worthwhile. Can we move on to how teachers are unbelievably creative? Okay. I mean... (laughs) This is maybe a more lighthearted one, but definitely worth it. So Michelle says her twin boys are in kindergarten and her favorite teacher has an incentive for good behavior and appropriate social interactions. So this teacher awards the kids green points for being good. And if they get 10 points in a week, they get to take their shoes off during class. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? I mean, I don't know that you would want to sit next to my kid when he took his shoes off during class. But it's a really funny reward because only kids would care about that. Oh, and only certain kids. And and Michelle says this simple reward has completely motivated my one guy who really struggles to get those green points. He wants to take his shoes off. Would be huge for (laughs) one of mine. Yeah, absolutely. It can be a bit of a double-edged sword because I have a kid who's taking a language and... Last year, they were so into language class, and I'm thinking to myself, like, oh, we're going to have to do an overseas year, and clearly I have a budding linguist on my hands. They were just so into it. Uh. And then this year, not into it at all, and I figured out that the language teacher last year was giving out a lot of candy and, like, foods from the country during class, and that's the only part of it the kid was into. Like, I've now realized, like, oh, they're not actually interested in learning a language. They're interested in eating foods. One of my kids' second grade teachers, a different second grade teacher, her currency for the kids was Lego minifigures. She had them like one of those like- That's huge. Yeah. One of those like squares of basically Lego grass. You know, she had one in her in her classroom and she had her Lego minifigures lined up on them. And if they got everything done, if everybody, you know, didn't run around, whatever the level that they had to meet for their behavior was met, which was, you know, definitely appropriately sized for second graders, then there would be time- about 10, 15 minutes at the end of the day when you could get your Lego minifigures out of your bag and approach the desk and you could maybe do a trade 
with Ms. Blankenship. Wow. Yeah. She might be willing to trade her. She had a guy wearing a gorilla Halloween costume that my kid, like the whole year, was like, I want that so much. I gotta get it. I gotta (laughs) get it. I don't think he ever did. She's like, nope, that one I'm keeping. Anyway, that kept my kids going all through the year, that 10 minutes of Lego minifigure talk on a Friday afternoon. Yeah, it's incredible. Here's one from Brooke that I like about homework. Her child's third grade teacher didn't pressure on homework and was lenient with virtual work. She would always tell us if we were having a hard time to just go outside and play and enjoy the day and don't worry about the work. Yes. I loved her. This was during the pandemic in particular. I've talked a ton about homework and my negative feelings about homework and some run-ins that I've had with certain teachers in my life that were assigning hours of homework to kindergartners and trying to opt out of that and it becoming kind of hostile. But I do think, especially for the elementary school grades, that keeping the perspective of sometimes we talk about this as moms, right? Sometimes it's okay to just be like pancakes for dinner or like, sure, we can stop for ice cream, even though dinner's 20 minutes from now. Shaking up the expectation of I am always the authority and you are always kind of at my mercy It's a dangerous game because you don't want it to become the default, but I think being able to find a way to say the most important thing about you is that you're engaged and having outside time and living this full quality life and schoolwork is a part of that as opposed to schoolwork is the most important thing. It's a hard balance. I mean, especially during the pandemic, kids had different needs, kids had different set points, and those set points could be completely different online than they were in the classroom. My kids were older during this. I didn't have kindergartner doing show and tell over Zoom, but I mean, my sister did. I I know how hard that was. For older kids, it was harder for different reasons. And I had a kid who showed up more in online learning than that kid might in the classroom, like offering more, saying more. And I had a kid for whom the kids sort of disappeared once they went online, kind of stopped participating. And in each case, a teacher sort of clocked that, noticed it, mentioned it to me, and had, again, brought both the problem and the strategy. The kid who was showing up more online, like, how can I bring more of this into the classroom when we return to the classroom? And for the kid who was showing up less, it was a a matter of, this seems really exhausting. Let's print out what this kid has to do at night. So they're not also doing their history reading on the computer after being on the computer all day. Let's figure out how to get this kid off the computer sometimes. Great ideas. Again, this teacher is giving of their time and effort outside of classroom time to make one kid's experience 15% better because it matters. Yeah. And on that, we just have to shout out teachers in general during the pandemic. I mean, what a nightmare scenario that was. <laughs> My parallels being a scout leader and having had experiences where people are like, well, I didn't really think that I activity was. And I just want to say, like, I'm a volunteer. This is not the idea that 20 parents think that this teacher is there to work for them and then to figure out how to do it on a Zoom away from the classroom with kids with all of these different needs. I mean, the fact that teachers stayed in their jobs is just outstanding to me. I mean, not to be facile, but pretty much every kid had an IEP during the pandemic. Correct. Every kid did. Yeah, every kid. And every and a lot of kids didn't have. And the things we talked to um, Mr. D about this, like the things he was seeing on the Zooms <laughs> and the glimpses into the world. There's a lot going on. And he said, uh, you know, he's never seen more cat butts in his life than like the cat was always in the shot. Just trying to get any knowledge through in those situations. Teachers, you're awesome. We see you. 
We'll be right back with even more great things that teachers do. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro (laughs) aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, when you've got kids, as just about everybody listening to this right now does, you're probably looking at what they eat and seriously wondering how they could possibly be getting all of the vitamins and minerals they need to grow big and strong. That's why Hyawas created the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin for kids. Haya fills the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need, and yes, Even your picky eaters will approve. I know mine does. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables. Then it's supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals to help support our kids' growing brains and bodies. And Haya vitamins are sent straight to your door, which means you set it and forget it and give yourself one less thing to worry about. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash fresh. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H, HayaHealth.com slash fresh to get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, teachers. Here's why teachers are awesome. They're safe spaces. Leanne says her kid's middle school theater director is such a wonderful introduction for new theater students. He's cool, welcoming, fun, and a really great landing spot for kids to feel a place of belonging. Yeah. Oh, theater teachers. Right? Theater te- Exactly. Uh, we were both. I was a theater major in college. Again, it can go both ways. It can get a little, you know, overly involved at certain points. But in general, yes, it's we talk about the bee video, the blind melon video where the little girl is dressed as a bee and then she's lonely for the whole video. And then the end, she finds this field of bees. And that's drama class for a lot of us. You know, you finally walk in there and you think, oh, this is the person who doesn't think I'm awful because I don't have my four sharpened pencils lined up and I forget to write the date down. And this person sees something in me that is more than just my inability to figure out what the 3X stands for in this equation. I mean, my high school theater teacher, she was so personally, like she just was such an advocate for me. And I'm thinking about another person I went to high school with who was gay, who knew he was gay. But I mean, this was a long time ago, right? It wasn't safe to be out in high school back then. He was safe in her class, in her 
office and her spaces, he was safe and he could show up as who he was. And God, it's still important. And I think for drama students, right, that resonates. But it can also be the math teacher for the kid who's only sees the world through math problems. We've had people say on the podcast that like one trusting adult taking an interest like changes the outcome of a kid's life. And that can be any teacher. There's a great video with Adele where she sees her like childhood teacher. She comes to one of the concerts and she's talking about her and then the woman stands up and like they're crying. It's like, that's right. Those teachers that really make a difference in a kid's life. Oh my gosh. And they can be few and far between and hard to find. But when you find them, it's pretty magical. I have a good friend who in another life was a middle school science teacher. I mean, literally, but it was a long time ago. He was a middle school science teacher. And again, yes, the kids who would just glom onto him and show up for every club and every after school activity. You're right. It was a certain kind of kid. It wasn't the drama kids. It was the other kids. And he got such a kick out of them. Like, I think that's what makes a great teacher, right? They just think first graders are hilarious. They just think the kids who show up for interplanetary club are hilarious and they just they just love them and want them to succeed and get a kick out of being with them. Yeah, that's why I'm not a teacher because I don't get a kick out of children. I'm like, stop talking. But yes, that is what's amazing about a great teacher. There's a Humans of New York thread that we'll link to that is about a debate teacher. Have you seen that thread? I don't think I have. I don't know if you found this story if it was just a random person. It's a teacher who ran the debate club in this high school and the kid that he ended up you know, mentoring as the debate student. And it's just absolutely beautiful. I have to link to it. It will rock your world just to read this story of how this debate teacher changed the lives of these students. It's incredible. I'm thinking about a fourth grade teacher that a couple of my kids have had who's really into old movies. I mean, as am I, but it's a quirky interest, certainly for a fourth grader. But all of my kids got into these black and white movies and these Agatha Christie murder mysteries and things like that because this cool teacher thought that it was cool. And it's like what you're saying about the foreign language, like they'll go along if the teacher makes it cool enough. And what makes it cool? I think it's their enthusiasm. Like what makes a good teacher able to teach even on its face, most boring stuff and make it engaging. It's a lot of hard work, I know, but what is it? Well, I think that's right, that whatever, it's a huge amount of hard work, but it's also like your passion for something. I always say, like, I love to talk to anybody about their main interest because it's always interesting. It's the hoses, Amy. We're back to our hoses, but like, (laughs) it's their hose. You can almost always connect to somebody who is super, even if it's something that doesn't really interest you. I mean, you can get stuck, you know, talking with somebody kind of rambling on about like a soccer game or something that you don't care about. But people who are passionate about the things that they love, it's infectious. It just is. Mm -hmm. And good teachers who can tap into that with kids are amazing. I want to do a shout out to another teacher here. Sarah says her daughter's first grade teacher does a little call and response at the end of the day for the first grade class that says like, you are seen. I am seen. You are important. I am important. You are loved. And then she ends with, you are world changers. And the kids say, I'm a world changer. And then she says, go, go be world changers and sends them out. And her daughter at home had said, had written on a a birthday card for a classmate, you are loved, you know, love, I don't know the kid's name, you are loved, loved Brittany. And her mother was like, my God, my kid is like, where did you get this emotional intelligence? Oh, we say it in school every day, she told her mom. And I think that's so sweet. And it is like the power of that. My husband was on the board of a school that was for kids who were like first generation going to college, trying to get kids who were 
below grade level up to the grade level. And they would start every morning at their assembly with every grade. And they would say, what is September of 2024? And the whole class would say, that's the day I start college. And then the juniors would say, what is September of 2025? That is the day I start college. And it just like the ability to say, like, there is somebody in this world who believes in you wherever you're not getting that or wherever you are getting that. There's just huge power in it. I'm going to put a link in the show notes of the Reverend Jesse Jackson on Sesame Street. It's got to be 50 years ago. My much younger brother sent this to me recently. He shows it to his two-year-old daughter all the time. It's called I Am Somebody. I'll put a link in the show notes. So anyway, it's 50 years ago and it feels kind of radical that he's just getting these kids to say, I am somebody. And they yell back, if I'm on welfare, I am somebody. If I am, you know, brown, I am somebody. If I am white, I am somebody. And I can make a mistake and I'm still somebody. And seeing these kids like affirming that in themselves and shouting it back, like get the tissues ready. It's unbelievable that kids can get that, but only if somebody offers it to them. And I guess that's teachers. Yeah. And that skipping offering that, you know, we're busy at home and like, right. we don't always want to take the time out to be like, you're somebody, listen, we're trying and, you know, hopefully you're giving your kids that. And it's interesting nowadays, people are freaking out all over the country, right? About like what teachers are teaching, what influence they have over their kids. And the bottom line is, Teachers have an enormous influence over your kid. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's this positive influence that says, like, you can be something no matter what anyone else is telling you. And, like, there's ways that that gets, you know, uncomfortable for people. But it, it's true. Like, teachers do have a tremendous amount of influence. I want to do a shout out to a couple of teachers who really go above and beyond. And I feel like almost weird saying that's like, this isn't the expectation. Teachers are only good when they stay up all night. And they're not only good when they come into the school on Saturdays to decorate their classroom, right? We don't want to say that. Like, oh, teachers do a great job and some go above and beyond. But just these are some sweet stories. Tara says she had a four-year-old and a one-year-old and a first grader. Our hands were a little full. The daughter's first grade teacher lived in their neighborhood. And so the first grade teacher picked up the first grader for school every day and drove her to school. That is lovely. Isn't that sweet? I know a school where the principal would go. There was a kid who had school rejection, I think it's called. It's like school anxiety, like couldn't get oh. to school. And the principal, if she didn't see her, would walk over to the house and go get her and walk her by the hand to the school. You know, it's very like the Christian metaphor of the shepherd, right? Like you're only good if all your sheep are taken care of. It's lovely. Can you imagine how cool that first grader is getting out of the first grade teachers, like rolling in with the teacher? Can you imagine? And that's the thing. I mean, again, like you have in any given classroom, kids who are struggling with all sorts of different things. And that idea of the shepherd, I'm going to leave these sheep here and take care of the lost one. It's a lot to ask, but you see teachers do that work all the time. And it is really, really inspiring. I went with my friend one time to pick up her child from nursery school. I was visiting her and it was time for a school pickup. So the kids are coming out like into the little yard. It was a little church preschool kind of thing. And the kids are coming out into the area where we pick them up. And my friend's kid is, she's sort of like, where is he? He comes out last holding the hand of the teacher. And my friend says, oh boy. And I said, what? She's like, when he's holding the hand of the teacher, we had a tough day. And oh, but he had a tough day, yeah. whatever that means, maybe a little handsy, right? But if you had a tough day because you couldn't keep your hands to yourself, what happens is 
you have to walk out last holding the hand of your teacher. It's kind of lovely, right? I'm realizing listening to all this. Yes, like I'm going to offer you more love and support, right? I'm going to come and shepherd you directly to your mom. And then maybe we'll talk about how you had a quote unquote hard day today. But it isn't like rejection. It's more attention. It's more love for the kid who's struggling. That's a teacher who knows what she's doing. I had a kid who I would go to pick up and they wouldn't be there. And they had stayed afterwards to talk to this teacher, sometimes for 20 minutes, you know, and the report was always like, oh, yeah, well, he's really into Marvel movies. And so, you know, my kid would get to talk to him about Marvel movies for 20 minutes. And it's very sweet because I'm like, I bet he's not as into Marvel movies as you think he is, but he is into making you feel heard. And like, God bless him for that. You know, yeah, he probably does not need to spend 20 minutes a day listening to my kid talk about Marvel movies, but he did it because that's what my kid wanted to do. And it means more coming from that other, I mean, even if you did it, and I'm sure you've done it, you've spent the 20 minutes and you've spent, you know, the two minutes every day or whatever. But when there's an adult who doesn't have to do it, right, they're not your parent who are giving you that attention, it feels so special. And the ability to make people feel that way. I was pregnant with one of my kids and I was in a sort of OB practice where it would rotate, but I would, I ended up seeing the same OB again and again and again. The next appointment, she said, Oh, you know, I won't be here. I'll be Dr. So and so. And I said to my husband, completely seriously, she's going to be so disappointed because she was saying how cute the baby looked. I'm talking about an embryo, like a fetus. And she's, she was really looking forward to seeing how he'd grown this time. My husband was like, I think she says that to everybody, but her ability to make me feel that my baby was so cute on the ultrasound. So invested. That she couldn't wait to see next week how much cuter he looked bigger, you know? But that's like a good teacher has that ability too to make you feel like, oh yeah, I have a kid who's staying after right now in school working on a novel that they're writing. Oh, really? You know, I mean... A child's novel. Mm -hmm. But again, there's a teacher who's saying, like, I want to read it. I want to see how it's coming along. And there's an after school room where kids can go and just work on stuff and have teachers around. Amazing. It's nice. It's really nice. Let's take a break. When we come back, there's a very special category of teachers that we want to tip our hats to. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back 
with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks. And now, the types of moms you will meet at your kids' sporting events. From the What Fresh Out podcast. The mom who really doesn't get the sport. Oh, look at all this kicking and running. When does somebody score a goal? The mom who really gets the sport. Okay, so the next kid at bat is this kid from Fieldcrest. He was batting 300 last year, but I heard he might have pulled a hammy in the offseason. But still, I'd throw a slider knowing this kid's offensive capabilities. The pusher. You should see what my kid is bringing to the field this year. He's been doing off-season pro camps, and the coach said he's going to be starting all year. You should come over and see some of his game films sometime and see what he can really do. And at only six years old. The Snack Mom. I've got a cooler here for frozen snacks. I've got popsicles, ice pops. Then I've got a heated bag for hot snacks. Anybody want a pizza roll? Energy bars? Sure. My trunk is full of them. The Back in My Day Mom. Back in the day, we didn't have all this sitting around on the sidelines and supporting our kids. You think my mom ever came to a peewee football game? Answer, no. We walked to school. We kicked a ball around. We didn't have referees. The perspective mom. You know, I just get so much joy from watching them play. That's all that matters, really. The sportsmanship and camaraderie. The mom who thinks she is the perspective mom, but definitely is not. You know, it's such a joy to see all the kids get... Oh, come on! He is out of position. He was off sides. Where's the coaching people? This has been the types of moms you will meet at your kids' sporting events. From the What Fresh Out podcast. All right, Amy, it's my turn to shine. We're talking about special ed teachers, speech therapists, and aides, speech pathologists, OTs, all of the people who are helping kids who need a little extra help. I have kids who are round pegs in the round holes of school and kids who are square pegs in the round holes of school. And it's definitely noticeable which teachers are embracing of the square pegs, you know, who are able to connect. I have one child who is all hoses all the time. This child is extremely easy to connect to on all levels. Universal hoses. Yes. Yeah. Universal. And then <laughs> I have kids who struggle in school, struggle with ADD, struggle with, you know, being organized. I just see it so clearly having come up with kids in special education that sometimes special education can be a little bit of a spiral downwards. You don't have good social skills and therefore you're not the kid who every teacher, you know, longs to see in the morning and therefore not student of the week, right? You feel more rejected and therefore you get more isolated and it just feeds on itself. Mm-hmm. And it takes a really special teacher and I've known a lot of them to be the person for those kids. Huge shout out. Michelle wrote in to say that she's a classroom maid and she says her work is rewarding 
but it can be thankless because they interact with parents less. Yes. Which I hadn't thought of. And she said also sometimes the kids can be indifferent. I mean, their presentation, I suppose, can be indifferent. And so you don't, you might be giving out the warm fuzzies and not necessarily getting it back from the kids or the parents. For sure, for sure. And it is a tough job, but it's also the kind of job that you usually hear feedback on when it's negative. You know, you don't get a lot of like, great jobs. You get a lot of like, well, this isn't going well. And what are you doing to fix this and that? It's a really difficult job. And that's right. You don't have a ton of feedback sometimes. And I think it can be really challenging. So Kimberly wrote in to say she wanted to give a shout out to her first graders speech language pathologist. She said she remembered how hard his transition into kindergarten was last year so that every morning this boy goes to her office first and he plays a game with her, and then she escorts him to class a little bit after the chaotic morning drop-off, which he always found very difficult. And so he doesn't have to struggle with that overstimulation because he has this easier entry that she's doing just because she just sort of discerned that that was what he would need, and it's working great. And so many of these teachers, whether it's the school psychologists, speech-language folks, OTs, they tend to serve as a default place of safety for a lot of kids, right? Kids do get overwhelmed in school. Kids do have meltdowns in school. A lot of kids on the spectrum or with other needs get overwhelmed and are having meltdowns longer than other kids, right? So a second grader who's crying in class is not super noticeable, but maybe a seventh grader is more noticeable. And people who are the safe spaces that kids can go when they're struggling during the school day, it is so vital. I know a lot of people who do not have these resources in their school. You really see our district is incredible on this topic. It's something that we give voice to a lot. Like, well, we want, you know, diverse schools and people with different abilities. But the realities of making a system work for a thousand kids who are at very different places on the developmental spectrum is super, super hard work, really hard work. Yes. And it takes special people to do it. Ashley says, this is a great one. She said that her kid had a very awful morning. This is the morning she wrote in. My son has ADHD and emotional regulation is one of his biggest struggles. He was completely distraught as they were pulling up to school. She wasn't sure what she was going to do because she has more than one kid that she has to get to different classrooms. And her kid's special ed teacher happened to be there, saw it, walked him in, gave him a big hug, stayed with him until he felt better, just took care of it. And she was so, so relieved. And these teachers know... and. It, It makes me think we had Stuart Schenker on the show and his book, Self-Reg, is about teaching kids to self-regulate and how often, if you don't have this training or if you're not somebody who has special needs, I'm very photosensitive, so lights bother me. And so there was one kid he talks about in the book who was just like an ongoing troubled child, you know, just constantly causing all this disruption in the classrooms. And when Dr. Schenker showed up to meet with the kid, he shut off the lights in the classroom and like two minutes later, the kid was transformed. It had been the weird buzzing lights all along. And it takes somebody special to see that, know that, and then advocate for it in a world where it's like, oh my God, I can't not have the lights on to say, well, let's try it. It might transform the kid. And one thing that I see at schools a lot is like special ed and regular ed or mainstream, there's a dividing line between them. And people are like, oh, I'm glad I'm on this side or that side of the dividing Mm. line. 
And I would encourage people to join your special ed PTA if there is one at your school and get involved in special ed and those resources because you don't know necessarily that you have a neurotypical mainstream educated kid who might need the psychologist's help at a certain point, you know, who might need resources. And it's a great place to say, is my kid giving me a hard time or having a hard time? So you would be a kid, right, who is considered, Amy, neurotypical mainstream kid, but maybe it would have helped you to be in a dimmer lit classroom, you know? Sure. Right. Or to be able to put sunglasses on sometimes. Right. Whatever it is. And so don't be afraid to use those resources. I have a kid in special ed, kids in regular ed. And because I know about it and I've been to the other side of the curtain, I have no problem saying, hey, this could could really benefit from like a wiggle seat or a lot of the resources I know that are available for kids, but I might not have had them on my radar if I hadn't been involved in the special ed program. And so I think it's a great resource and it's something worth talking to because all kids can benefit from different kinds of accommodations. That's right. And it's something for parents to understand and something for teachers to understand. And it's not always easy. I had a kid who could not sit still in the younger grades. It goes away. P.S. Sometimes it becomes less of an issue as they get older. But at the time, this kid could not sit still. And this teacher who was very traditional, you know, spent a lot of time trying to get this kid to sit still until she realized one day this kid was rolling around in the back of the classroom and said something. And this kid, you know, knew the answer. And she couldn't believe that this kid from where her perception was paying no attention was actually the only one who knew the answer was paying plenty of attention while wiggling away. The fix that she came up with was just put this kid in the back. So the wiggling doesn't bother anybody else. The kid can wiggle and listen. And when we approach it with you have to sit still to listen, some of us do and some of us can only sit still or listen. Anyway, this teacher, I want to give her a shout out too, because this teacher saw this, changed her approach, accommodated something that's not easy for her to accommodate. It wasn't a one-to-one ratio, right? There were other kids in the class too, but she figured out, again, she brought me both the problem, your kid won't sit still, but it does help this kid listen and the solution. So now I've just moved this kid to the back and it seems to be working fine. And I do think that schools are changing so much around these issues and starting from a much better place of this kid isn't a problem. This kid is having a problem. And how do we solve it? And I think that special education teachers and people who work in that field are really leading the way on that. And it benefits all the children, not just kids in special ed. Mm -hmm. Angie said, my son's special ed teacher is an angel. She has worked so hard to help him develop learning strategies that work, troubleshooting, giving him so much grace. His speech therapist advocated for him to get a speech device through insurance. This is another thing. There is a lot that goes on paperwork, insurance filings. I mean, talk about unseen labor, Amy. This is it. Yes, that's right. And the teacher will go to the mat. The teacher sees that this kid needs the device and then will help you push to get it. Because of course, the insurance, like, of course, going to say no first. Why wouldn't they, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm in an insurance battle right now. And it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's soul wrecking. Right. And it's exhausting. And to have a teacher be like, no, no, this is what I see. And this is what you need. I always feel so grateful. I'm still in touch with people who have helped my kids along the way, some of whom they don't see anymore, some of whom I remember much better than my kids do, because my kids might have been very small at the time, right? But really people who changed my kids outcomes through their perceptiveness and their kindness. Absolutely. Absolutely. No teacher is going to connect with every kid. That's the bottom line. 
there are some kids that most teachers can connect with pretty easily because they're just round pegs. They just make it easy. <laughs> but I think it's that drama teacher, like our drama was like a basement off the main school, the drama teacher who's like in the weird hidey hole in the back of the school and who's seeing these kids in a different way. The art teacher who's finding the kid who can't do anything right, but is an amazing artist. Teachers who are just coming from a point of view, it really isn't about whether or not you've got all the confetti going or your classroom has got a huge theme or you've got the tap board outside that's like hug, high five or whatever. All of those things are great. But the teachers that we really remember are the people who saw us and our kids really as their authentic selves and were able to connect with them and make them love learning. I had a conference over the pandemic with one of my kids' teachers. And I said, listen, all I care about is that this doesn't make them hate school. I don't really care about them staying on grade level. Not every kid is going to love school, but having a couple of times a day where you're like, this is the place where I get to shine is so important. And it's so great to see teachers who are able to give that to their kids. And that's why teachers are awesome. Teachers, <laughs> we goofed on you for Ready Confetti. We did. We did. And we did it at length. But today we have made a whole episode about how much we love you. So hopefully the scales are even, Damie. Friends, we know you're here because you love listening to podcasts. And we hope that you know that at Adalist Media, our podcast network, you can find tons of shows that you'll enjoy. So check out AdalistMedia.com and discover some of our new shows today. For sure. Check it out. That's that for this week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.